This is Exponent Philanthropy's catalytic podcast, Conversations with Leaders at Small Foundations. Meet some of the most creative, resourceful, and risk-taking foundation people in the country. In part two of this podcast with Colleen O'Keefe of the Sauer Family Foundation, Colleen continues her chronicle of the journey of listening and convening that revealed opportunities for transformation in the child welfare system. One of the things that I could see is that um, people in different parts of this child welfare system uh, had no idea what happened to kids, for example, down the line, like just as an example, an intake worker, uh, you know, something happened in the family, they make a decision that that child is removed from the family. And then they close the case, it moves on to somebody else in the county. And they have, you know, a stack of folders of cases they need to get through. And so we decided to bring people from all different parts of that system together to talk about how they all, how it works together, what happens as a child and a family going through that system. And one of the, you know, so we did um, actually two years of that collaborative work with people across the system. And we, we did some mapping of the system and what was very interesting to me is that intake worker was listening to people who um, are trying to get older foster kids adopted then in back into a family setting. And it was blowing the mind of that worker because they didn't have time to think about what happened down the line, right? They had a stack of cases on their desk then, and that was their job to process the beginning. And it was um, really eye-opening for me to even sit back and just watch and listen the group to the group talk about their roles and and uh, how you know what they what they did in the system and and watch the learning and the light bulbs going on around the room. And uh, I thought, well, <laughs> if we don't do anything else, <laughs> uh, you know, hopefully this is going to lead to to some good things that they are thinking more broadly about the decisions that they're making. And but what came out of um, gathering people in that way is that the system was really um, set up around funding streams, and often, you know, that's how it has to be, right? People are. Organization, nonprofit organizations are trying to survive financially. And, um, you know, even the government has to figure out how the counties have to figure out how they're going to fund, you know, this work with, with kids and families. But we, ch- we changed the conversation to be about child well-being. And that having that as a positive goal for the system as a whole 
really changed people's mindset about what could happen in that work. And it was, you know, we, we had the, the collaborative work together for about two years. And then I could see that the counties that were involved in the state, they were taking that, that focus of child well-being internal to their organizations. And so were the nonprofit organizations. And then it turned out that we took it that on as our mission. And um, so that really changed a lot of uh, the way that people thought about their work. And then it opened up their minds to, well, what does that mean? And how does, if, if child well-being is our uh, goal, how does that change the way we do our work? You know, it really is. And it took um, a way, again, you know, when things aren't going well, a lot of times people want to blame, you know, other parts of the system, but reframing the goal and, and, and orienting the system to that goal meant that they could all uh, look at their work in that new way, not, not blaming anybody, but just looking at their piece of the their of their work um, to child well-being, and actually one of the one of the important things that that bubbled up for everybody was the whole piece about neglect um, for children, which in Minnesota is I don't know seven sixty to seventy percent I think of the maybe even more of the cases that go into child protection, and it it has caused all of us to look more deeply at why are kids being removed from their families for neglect? Is it about poverty? Sometimes it is about poverty. Is it, you know, are there um, things, other things that we can do besides having them go into child protection? And um, so right now we're looking at, we, we realized there's not a good um, sort of prevention side for families landing in child protection. It, it has become kind of a, a dumping ground in a sense for families that don't have the resources they need for childcare, for families with kids with mental health issues or um, parents with mental health issues or substance abuse issues. And if we could um, help families deal with some of these things in a different way, prior to entering child protection, isn't that really what we want for kids and families? And so now we're looking at how do we, how do we build out this prevention side? How do we put, you know, family resource centers um, where they need to be in Minnesota? And so it's, it's really changed the way people are thinking about their work. So once we could see this big gap of, prevention services or support services for families that are um, most vulnerable in our communities. The Sowers really started to look at uh, their wealth and, um, you know, they sold their company last year and they made the decision then to put a portion of the proceeds into the foundation from that sale 
and um, they increased the assets to $100 million. And then as a board, they decided they wanted to put $100 million into the community over the next 10 years. And they made that decision because as we were looking at child welfare in particular, but also in some of our, our other funding areas, um, they could see the great need in the community. And they were kind of percolating on that decision when, you know, COVID-19 hit and we could see families, you know, really struggling and um, in a lot of ways. And, you know, George Floyd um, murder happened in Minneapolis, you know, not far from where we are. And all of that just um, really set the commitment from this board to to get this money out into the community, building good things, creating good things for families in our community. One of the things we realized is, um, you know, there's a there's a there's difficult um, disproportionality of African American and Native American children that are removed from their parents um, in child protection in Minnesota, and they tend to stay in foster care longer, and so. Um, we're, we're looking at three things. One is educational neglect is one of the ways that um, the BIPOC community gets kind of caught up in child protection. And so we are funding some programs to divert those families. Instead of going into child protection, go into a nonprofit organization in the community that's going to work with the family and whatever that barrier is to the children getting to school. And, you know, often, I mean, sometimes it's transportation. Sometimes it's, you know, mom has to get to her job, you know, and, and can't get the kids to school. And, but to have somebody help the parent work through some of those issues and so that kids get to school. One of the counties here has a program like that and it's getting great results. And so we're helping counties that are interested and ready to do that um, to ramp those programs up. And we're also, uh, again, working with Casey Family Programs and a local research organization to evaluate these programs because we want to know what's the return on investment and what are the, the tenets of these um, programs that are most important to help families over those barriers to getting kids to school. So that's one. Another one is substance abuse treatment centers where moms and children can go together and not always moms, the caregiver and children can go together and do sort of whole family treatment. And often having the children there is a great motivator for people to, um, to go into recovery and to become um, sober. So that's the second one. And the third is, um, you know, there are family resource centers across our country that are, you know, reducing the um, cases into child protection by 50%, 60%, because they're simply a place that a family can walk into and be connected to the resources they need. So those are kind of the three things that we're doing currently to try and help build out the prevention side. I went in with no judgment. I was really clear that, first of all, I was clear that I wasn't there. 
around um, funding specifically. I was clear when I contacted them at the beginning. I asked if they were willing to give me, you know, a, a half an hour. Like I did not want to take up too much of people's time. I was really clear about I'm, I'm just coming out to learn. And um, when they realized I wasn't there to judge them or had my own ideas about what they should be doing, which, you know, sometimes we can do that. I think that it just opened them up and um, allowed them to speak their mind um, more openly. So, and that, you know, then, then you're getting the real, the real picture. And I, I think that what I learned from all of that is to um, let things unfold and not try to control things and just let what's going to happen happen to some degree in a conversation like that. And when, you know, as funders, we, we can convene people. People come together for us. It's one of the resources that we can, we can be in the community. And again, when you convene people, let let the conversations unfold and let the learning happen and be open to um, whatever comes out of, of those convenings. And I also think that what happens is that people are so focused on and sometimes overwhelmed. In, in this child welfare system in Minnesota, people, especially at the time I was out talking to people, people were overwhelmed with the caseload. So sometimes these systems that we're working in, the workers are overwhelmed by their work. And they are sort of trying to survive by uh, just like doubling down and focusing in. And what I was asking them to do was sit back and think more broadly and um, in the convenings, work with one another uh, more broadly and think about the system as a whole. And, you know, in their day-to-day -day jobs, they don't have a chance to do that. That's correct. And, um, you know, once they realize that they all have a shared, this shared goal, that they are working in different parts of the system, but really their shared goal is that the children are well, that they're thriving. And, you know, in order for children to be well and thriving, they need adults around them that are also well and thriving. And once the group as a whole realized that's their shared goal, they also realized for us as funders, that's we're also part of that shared goal. That's our shared goal. And um, that, in a sense, kind of changed everything. We could all work together on this goal. And really, for our funding, they are so clear about that, that that's our goal. And if you, you know, if you want to talk to me about um, a, a grant, <laughs> And, you know, that is the, you know, that's part of the goal. And you think in, in your piece of the work that this is going to change it for, for the better, for child well-being, that I'm going to be right there with you. And, you know, so that, 
that changed their relationships with each other. It changed the way the system is, you know, working, uh, trying to change their work to do better work. And it's, they, they're really clear about that's what we want to support. I just want to say that, you know, none of that could have really happened if I had just stayed at my desk and received grant proposals and read them and brought them to the board and we made decisions, even if I had, we had done site visits like we were doing when we first, you know, when I first came to the foundation, um, we would not have come to this place of um, relationship and trust and transparency um, that I think it has really deepened uh, our work. And, you know, I, I want to make sure I say that, you know, I didn't do this alone. The Sauer Family Foundation didn't do this alone. This was about you know, people in this system, all of us having this um, this passion for the well-being of kids and families and understanding that the system wasn't getting us to what we wanted and we were going to have that shared goal going forward. You know, there were moments in that journey that I I thought, oh my gosh, I... I'm not up to doing this, or I, I, I'm not going to, you know, are we really going to get somewhere? Or, you know, those doubts, the doubts come in. Um, but when I look back and I just, you know, see that it has really gotten us to where we are today. And um, we have concrete things on the table that we're working on with people in the system. And, you know, I wouldn't be here today if, 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 we hadn't done those, that work. So, and you know, the other thing that I just have to say about my board that is different maybe from other uh, board of trustees is not only is my board really open to this learning journey uh, that is this foundation's work, but they're willing to take risks. And, you know, every time I go to them and I say, okay, this is what I'm going to talk to you about today. And um, I'm just going to tell you up front that this, this is risky. Like this is kind of a high risk, but, and then I'm going to tell you why I think it's important. It might be important that we go down this road anyway. And they are always right there with me. And, you know, there's, there's just, it just opens the door to being able to do so many more things that, that, you know, you wouldn't do if you didn't have a board like that. And, um, you know, we are in a situation where we can take those risks. We, we should be taking those risks in my mind, <laughs> like just the way these foundations are set up. I think it's here to take those risks as almost like a research and development, you know, arm of the nonprofit uh, community. And I'm just so grateful to my board for that. Thanks to Colleen O'Keefe for joining us. To learn more about Colleen's work and the Sauer Family Foundation, visit the Catalytic Podcast website. 
Look for new catalytic podcasts each month. Meet more creative funders. Benji Ru does the audio engineering and mixing. Our website is by Kwok Lee. Our music is by O Future. The Catalytic Podcast is made possible by grants from two exponent members, the 1772 Foundation and the Blackstone Ranch Institute. I'm your producer and host, Andy Carroll. Thanks for listening. Join us next time.